Hello, our goslings, and welcome to this, this which is the episode of the Smug Buds that you are listening to currently. It is I, your loving Mother Goose. Have we not made a Mother Goose joke yet? Uh, Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, uh, Will. Yeah, that's right. Hi, Liz. Will, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. It's a weird weather day. It's one of those days where it's like super overcast, but um, like 85. Oh, yeah. So it's like you wouldn't actually want to go swimming because you'd be cold like as soon as you got out of the water. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, not nice either. But it's not raining. Yeah. So it sounds like the right temperature for you and your preferences. But you got to have that sun. Got to have that sun. Got to get that. Sun, sun, mm. sun. Um, but I will take this over rain any sure. minute of the day. Yeah. Count your blessings. Did you and... do anything at all last night, Will? Oh, nothing special. I just um, was in Phoenix, Arizona rather than Tucson, and uh, I was there to see the Game Grumps live. <sighs> I want to hear like all, all about this later, but I do want to know right now... Um, did you weep with joy? Were they so <laughs> cute? Yes. Um, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were adorable. It was a joy to see them. And, uh, we're uh, recording this on June 7th. Happy Donut Day. Oh, happy Donut Day. And, uh, the Game Grumps have just, uh, kicked off their summer tour. And uh, saw them last night, June 6th, in Phoenix at the Orpheum Theater, and uh, it was packed. It was packed with over a thousand lovelies. Oh, and wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. A, it's like a real, legit theater. <laughs> and uh, it was home to uh, a bunch of people very vociferously excited to uh, watch two people uh, play Mario Party. <laughs> in front of them did they do the ham grump i'm not so grump live i think this has always been my dream and i could Uh, absolutely see them not doing it yeah no um they had an opener quote unquote which was their their warm-up act was was their producer vernon Mm -hmm. and uh he sort of uh he brings them out by leading the audience in singing the theme song so you don't actually see Aaron and Danny sing the theme song, but you participate and then they come out on stage. So that, that actually makes a, a lot moment. of sense because that yeah. feels like something that everybody would want to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels, and it feels like I did it. Like I, like I got them out here. Like it's, it's kind of fun. I know. I mean, part of the reason I love um, going to concerts is being able to sing along with the people that I love so much. And I know that that's not a favorite of everybody. People go, I didn't go here to see you sing and I came here to sing them. The most extreme version of this I've ever heard is Kenny saw, um, Oh my God. What is his name? He saw that like classic rock flautist. Flautist. Yeah. A classic rock flute player. Yeah. Um, God, what is his name? Um, I, I think it's classic rock. Maybe it's not classic rock. I can't think of a single famous flautist. And I, he, he. Let me look at my iTunes because I think I have him in there. But this he, is a. Go ahead. 
ago. This was like somebody. This is somebody who's like currently alive, but is like old now. Yeah. And my mom doesn't like Jethro Tull. Okay. That's a person and not a band? I believe it's a person, yeah. Oh, okay. I think his name is Jethro. Fair enough. Um, And he saw him live, and a man got to the concert in front mm-hmm. of... Okay, no, it's a band. I don't know why I thought it was a person. <laughs> yes, that famous flautist. Ian Anderson is the person that Kenny saw, who is the flautist, I believe. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. Tell me more about this man. The man shows up. He takes out a fucking flute, puts it together, and proceeds to flout along. This is an audience member. Yes. Was he playing or was yes. he going through the motion? No. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Kenny, yes, it was Ian Anderson of Jethro Tall, who is now 71, who plays flute. That's insane. That yes. Yes it is. Every part of that. Every part of that. <laughs> and Kenny was furious. Sure. Which is not a, an emotion Kenny feels often, I think. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> He's not mad around me a lot anyway. That's good. That's good in a marriage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's like I think that's the funniest story because like, nobody would ever do that with a guitar, but I guess a flute is small enough. <laughs> like, can you imagine somebody, like, coming in with, like, a marching band drum and being mm. like, I'm here! Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Like, you're seeing Arcade Fire, and this person brings a drum just for Wake Up, so they can be like, bum, 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 uh. That is the height of rudeness. <laughs> so, Will... Yes. Whose episode is it this week, baby? It's yours. And do you know what the hell we're talking about? I do. Um, and uh, the the subject is something called brassica. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what that is? I think it's a type of plant. Yes. Okay. Is that all you know? I think so. Oh, may, great. May I ask you a question? No. Yeah. 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 Um, what's your um, outline like for this topic? It is one, two. I didn't number these bullets. Why did I do that? Here, let me change the bullet style really quick. Because we've had some topics. You've had some topics this <laughs> season where going into it, we sort of knew what we were getting into because either you had rehearsed it yes, and had the whole conversation by yourself and knew how long that took, or you had a, an outline with bullet points and you knew how many bullet points there yes. were. So 19 what, what, bullet points with not a uh, bullet point 19 having seven sub bullets for brassica yes now Great. to be fair bullet number seven will get there but it does just say how question mark exclamation point uh-huh. uh-huh okay so these will vary in length yes fair um enough. so i'm gonna get a baseline here i like to get a baseline for these episodes we always get a baseline Will, what's your favorite vegetable? My favorite vegetable. I have been asked this question before. (laughs) By your mother. No, no. By a school child child survey that you had to complete. 
perhaps, but that's not the uh, instance that I'm recalling at this moment. No, okay. I'm recalling a moment when I was asked this question. I was in graduate school. Uh-huh. I would have been maybe 22 or 23 years old. Yeah. And a friend who taught nutrition classes asked me what my favorite vegetable was. And the fir- and I named something, and she said, that's a fruit. <laughs> and Did then you say that- cucumber? And and then that happened two more times. Oh, Jesus. So I, I named three fruits. Cucumber, Tr- tomato. Avocado. Avocado. Did I guess all three of them? Or all two of them? I'm sure cucumber was one of them. And I don't remember the third. It might have been tomato. Uh-huh. It might it might come back to me uh, as we talk more about this. I certainly didn't say apple or banana. <laughs> <laughs> you did pick so, things that are low sugar. Okay, that's good. Um, so with that in mind, trying to name a true vegetable and not a fruit, I guess my favorite bet are... Well, let are, me say, do- as I'm about to talk a lot very specifically about different kinds of vegetables, but I will not okay. be so bitchy as to correct you if you say tomato. Thank you tomato, so much. I'm, I'm going to count vegetable for this podcast and this question mm-hmm. as a savory uh plant thing okay and um and so uh, i'm guessing in your eyes uh roots and and tubers those are vegetables those yes. count yes okay so with that in mind i might say um potato the- is my favorite <laughs> vegetable the humble potato Yes, and the versatile potato. Yes. So many preparations of uh, delicious varieties. So now, do you have a favorite green vegetable? I feel like you mm. are a pickier eater than I am, but not the pickiest eater I know. Yeah, I don't think of myself as a very picky eater, but I do have a strong sweet tooth, mm-hmm. and I do like to eat foods that are bad for me mm-hmm. uh, but i won't i there's very little that i will turn my nose up at mm-hmm. um i think the thing that i dislike the most and maybe this is just in proportion to like how beloved it is so maybe maybe i don't dislike it the most but it might be my most contrarian point of view mm-hmm. Is I I don't like sweet potatoes. Oh, I actually have a friend who has a huge sweet tooth who also also doesn't like sweet potatoes, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. Hi, so Kathy. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> Hi, Kathy. Uh, we have that in common. And uh, so my favorite green vegetable must be hmm. Um, name some green vegetables. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe broccoli, broccoli, um, green beans, uh, yeah. peas of various sorts, Brussels kale, sprouts, Brussels sprouts. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sticking Lettuce. with broccoli. Okay, broccoli. It's a good choice. It's a classic. It's part of our discussion today. Oh, good. So, let me tell you how I learned about these things. Mm. Um, in 2014. Kenny, let me choose our calendar. Every year, we pick our calendar and um, for the next year. And in 2014, he let me pick it. Uh, I mean, we, we mutually decided upon it, but I this was the one I wanted. And it mm-hmm. was a calendar that every month had these beautiful, like, watercolor drawings of a selection of um, edible plants. 
Okay. So there was one that just had different varieties of carrots. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, carrots come in different colors. This isn't a carrot yes. podcast, but uh, purple, red, yellow, mm-hmm. white, as Seen well it. as orange. There was a page um, with a bunch of different um, cherries, which I mm-hmm. did not care for because I do not care for cherries. I like cherries. Cherries are uh, real nostalgia food for me. Mm-hmm. Like some, like like you know those early memories that are just like just like flashes, not yeah, like, like really a feeling formed. Yeah, like my early. <laughs> Some a, a portion of my early memories are like getting cherries with my mom and like eating them on the on the stoop. Yeah, that's really sweet. Like with pits too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And oh with a cup, god. Would spit up the pits into a plastic cup. Yeah. So there's only two real like foods that I don't like. Uh huh. And that is, um, I don't like cherries. Because wow. of cherry cough syrup. And I know that <laughs> cherries don't taste like cherry cough syrup, but they taste enough like it that I just can't handle them. And the pits drive me nuts. Fair enough. And then, ooh, a deer. Sorry, there's like a deer up that I can see outside. Um, That's nice. And then uh, watermelons and even including watermelon. Yeah, I'm not a big melon head. I do like me some watermelon in the summertime. I wished I liked watermelon because it seems conceptually amazing. Sure. Like, the concept of this, like, giant fruit that you eat huge amounts of in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, aesthetically, a, a watermelon is a triumph. Yes. But why does it have to taste like it does and also have the texture that it does? I could, uh, I enjoy a watermelon. Every other melon I can think of, I could never have again and be content. Yeah. And I tr- every year I try it. And think maybe this is the year I like watermelon. And this worked with green beans. I did not like green beans. I, for a very, very long time, included green beans on this list until about 18 months ago. And now mm. I like green beans. So Interesting. The the way you just talked about watermelon reminds me of a stand-up bit, uh, how Lewis Black would talk about candy corn. He has this oh. long bit from uh, his album that was recorded at Carnegie Hall. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, uh, yeah, about, uh, uh, you know, from the time he was a kid thinking that in theory, candy corn sounds like the best thing. Yeah. Corn that tastes like candy. Uh-huh. And then trying it and it sucks. Yeah. And then going, to, and, but it's only around for like one month of the year. So like you have like a whole year to like forget how bad it is. <laughs> and then, then that, that, the, the appeal of the sound of it, you know, drives you to try it again over and over. So I um I have a, a different opinion about candy corn than I think a lot of people. I think candy corn's pretty divisive. Divisive? Mm-hmm. Divisive. It divides people. It's polarizing. Yes. I don't like candy corn, but it's for the very specific reason that when I eat more than three pieces I immediately get a headache. That's interesting. I learned this as a child because my, my grandmother uh would always have it out. She lived across the street from me and so I'd be there and there'd just be like a dish of it out. Yeah. And I'd be like, ooh, and I'd eat some. And then Classic like I'd want grandparent stuff. Exactly. I'd wander around, eat some more, and then I'd be like, Oh, I don't feel good. And yeah. I finally figured out I mean, it didn't take me that long, but it took me like maybe two years two or three years as a child, which is, you mm-hmm. know, an eternity. I was like, Oh god, it's cause I'm eating this candy corn. Just don't yeah. eat candy corn. Uh huh. But back to uh, vegetables. Uh, 
Yeah, black to veggies. So the January month, and there's a reason it was January, yeah. uh, just said brassica. <laughs> okay. And on this calendar uh, were things like broccoli, cabbage, turnips, kale, mm. rutabagas, kohlrabi, um, Brussels sprouts. Um, mm -hmm. And what we had decided was we were going to try to eat everything on the calendar if we could get it. Sure. In that month. I'm I'm guessing it was uh you know the it was the 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 the, the vegetables that were featured were were seasonal for the yes. time of year yes. represented by the calendar. So Yeah, okay. so like in um I think July or August was peaches and so there were uh, perfect sense. Yes. And yes, the brassica family are cool weather vegetables. We'll talk a little bit more about this later, but that is mm. why they were in January. Mm -hmm. And um so we ate all of them, and Kenny said to me, you should write poems about brassica because it's a cool word. Uh-huh. And I said, sure. But at the time, I was in the middle of my finishing my thesis, et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward to May of 2015. I'm about to get my MFA. Um, I'm starting my new job. And for the first time, I'm not writing uh, – the same poems that I've been writing for the past five or six years. So I sure. had was pretty much done with the Ashley Sugarnash and the Wolf poems in this fall semester. Um, but I had been writing a lot of poems in a half of my thesis that I called The Rest of Us, which I have since cut from my manuscript. Um, they were they were all looking really closely at the results of um, human suffering during very tragic events. Yeah. Um, like a girl I went to middle school with. Um, Trisha ha had been um, murdered by her first child's father when she was uh, like 12 weeks pregnant, I think, with mm -hmm. a different man's child. She uh -huh. had a restraining order against him, but for some reason went to his house. He shot her in the stomach, uh, clearly trying to kill this baby as much as right. her, dragged her body into his room, and that is how they found her. And so I had been writing poems about that. Uh, uh -huh. Not just that, but things like that. Um yes. And wondering about forgiveness and its usefulness. Um, mm -hmm. Pretty uplifting, huh? Yes. Normal Liz subjects. So I, I thought, I'm going to write some sexy vegetable poems. Yes. <laughs> I wrote a poem about an artichoke um, that was very sexy. Uh-huh. Um... I wrote a poem about planting herbs I that I believe has the phrase um, dipping my hands into the cunt of the earth. Yeah. Uh, these poems are now the second half of my manuscript and they're the it's the brassica half. Yeah. And so when I was writing these sexy vegetable poems, now to be fair, they did quickly become about every woman who's ever betrayed me. But I'm writing these sexy vegetable poems and I'm like, right. Kenny said I should write poems about Braska. Now, oftentimes, Kenny's ideas for my poems are bad. And by this, I mean, he right now wants me to write a poem about chicken nuggets. And why not? Because I don't want to, Will. <laughs> it's not fun. He, before that, well, wanted me to write a poem about bubblegum, which I did very successfully, but it took me years. And the reason I complain about this is because sometimes I'll be like, I'm trying to write a poem, give me a word. Any mm -hmm. word. 
And instead of giving me a different word, he just only gave me bubblegum for three years until I wrote the bubblegum poem. And then the next time I asked him to do this, he said chicken nuggets. And now if I were to ever ask him to do this, he would just say chicken nuggets. He won't vary for me, which is not useful. I mean, <laughs> you so, got a built-in audience. I guess. I guess. Um, I write him Sistinas so he can get over it. Um, write him a chicken nugget Sistina. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I started doing all this research about the brassica plant, and this is what I learned. So I'm going to be specifically focusing for the first half of this on Brassica oleracea. Mm. Um, Brassica, there are other Brassicas, which we're going to talk about later on in the podcast, but we're going to specifically focus on Brassica oleracea. So are you ready for me to blow your mind? Absolutely. Okay. Kale. Yep. Collard greens. Mm -hmm. Chinese broccoli. Okay. Cauliflower. Sure. Romanesco broccoli. Mm. Cabbage. Mm. Brussels sprouts, yep. kohlrabi, broccoli are all genetically from the same plant. Whoa. Um, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm hyped AF. <laughs> so this brings us to the aforementioned... Uh, Point seven, uh, mm. uh, point how? how. Mm-hmm. So there is a plant. So Brassica oleracea is the mother plant of all of these plants, and mm-hmm. it is um, known as wild cabbage. Mm. So right now, I'm going to send you a picture of this. I think. Tell me if that link works. Oh, are you sending it on Skype? Okay. Yeah. This is going to slow down my computer. <laughs> oh, do you just mean to text it to you? Yeah, that okay. would be uh, probably. Sorry. Sorry, Goslings. So tell me how you feel about all those different kinds of vegetables while I'm looking this up. Um, some of them I don't know that I've ever had before or even heard of. Like what? Did you say Chinese broccoli? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've probably seen it. Okay. Uh, and and is that is that like the broccoli that I know just by a name that I'm not familiar with, or is that distinct from the broccoli that I know? It's distinct from the broccoli that you know. So Chinese broccoli mm. um, is like it looks sort of like a bunch of um, like close together leaves. You've probably had it in some sort of like stir fry. Have I had it when I've ordered? Chicken and broccoli from a Chinese restaurant? No, that would just look like normal broccoli. Yes, I thought so. Okay. Um, so I just sent you a picture of it via telephone. I will look at my cellular telephone. Ah, a wild cabbage appears. <laughs> That's foreshadowing for our season finale. I like, that should not have been as funny as it was to me, but it was like uh. very funny. Yeah, thanks. So describe to me this plant that I've just sent you a picture of. Okay, well, I'll try. Um, It it looks yellow. It looks like green stalks Mm -hmm. with little yellow flowers. Yes. It looks like a skinny bush. Mm Mm-hmm. 
End of description. Okay. How how big do you think it is? I know it's a little bit hard to see in the picture. Um, I would say if I stood next to it, it might come up to my waist or It's knee? a little bit smaller than that. Knee, yeah. Knee, knee. yeah, okay. Um, it, there are some versions that can be taller, but yeah, in general, it's sort of like a shrubby little something or other, but it's not like super small. Uh-huh. It's like sort of like a medium-sized dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, this plant, um is the mother plant for all of these other things. We know this because of genetics at this point. Um, Uh And this plant still exists. That's why we have a photograph of it. But that's just the sort of undomesticated version of it. Wild. So have you ever heard of the, ever heard of a cultivar? Cultivar? Uh, I don't think so. So I think that you have, but you didn't know. Okay. So a cultivar is just when you take a plant and breed it for, like, selectively breed it to get a specific, um, like, um, feature or, like, mm. uh, characteristic of whatever you're breeding. Uh-huh. So, that means that, and there's a lot of things that you've seen that are cultivars that you probably didn't know were cultivars. So, I'm going to send you a picture of something. I am awaiting the picture. And I want you to tell me what you what you're looking at. All right. The phone is in my hand. It is 2:18 p.m. local time. Oh, it just turned into 2:19. Oh, wow, it's we're living in a crazy time, Will. Ah, a text message. I see bananas. Yes. Of varying Sizes and colors. Right. So, like, go from far right to left just because of the way that they're organized. Far right. Normal banana. Yes. (laughs) Yellow. Fits in the hand in such a way that proves the existence of God. (laughs) 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 Have you heard that argument? No, but I can tell you... Blake and I got into a very long argument about bananas yesterday. Oh, boy. Yeah, of course you did. It just ended with, like, me frantically sending him links to articles and him, like, sending me 20-second videos at a time on Facebook Messenger. I, 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 I recall you, – you're, you're familiar with the term intelligent design? Yeah, uh-huh. And, and I recall uh, uh, some years ago a podcast making me aware of – a video where some religious people were uh, pointing to the banana as a sign <laughs> of intelligent design. And, uh-huh. like, look how perfectly it is made for the human hand. Yeah. And I remember um, <laughs> someone on the podcast said, like, what do these people think of pineapples? <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just, I'll, I'll be more specific. I think, if I remember correctly, I think the podcast was Hollywood Babylon, and I think the person to make that joke was Ralph Garman. So, <laughs> credit where credit is due. Okay, so, next, bananas. It is a, uh, also yellow, but uh, only, a, like, half the size. Yes, very tiny. Previous bananas. Uh, next bunch. Fat red boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, in between the sizes of the previous two bunches, true medium. 
And then far left, finally, we have some Heckin Chonkers <laughs> that are uh, green. Yes. So all of these bananas are cultivars. Uh-huh. That means that all of these bananas have been bred in such a way that they are just, like, really focusing on one part of a banana. So, like, the little baby they- bananas mm-hmm. are baby bananas because they were like, let's keep uh, making these bananas grow so that they're littler and littler, because that's what we mm-hmm. want out of a banana, is like a tiny banana. These bananas have been bred? Yes. Like, I've like, heard so- of, I've heard of banana bread. It's called selective breeding. <laughs> bread that came from bananas. But bananas that were bred? So you can take, you can take with plants, you can like pollinate. B-R-E-A-D. No, not like that. <laughs> Will! Don't explain it to me when I'm making a joke. <laughs> I didn't know you were making a joke. Uh, I thought you didn't understand that you could selectively breed bananas because they were plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but banana no, bread was, is also very no, good. I was being hilarious. Okay, well, you succeeded. <laughs> mm, <is> Clearly. <laughs> okay, so... Those are cultivars, but they all look uh-huh. like fucking bananas. Yes. But it, the it, brassica don't. Do Do you know the um the Mitch Hedberg joke about bananas? No. Actually, it's either a Mitch Hedberg joke or a Dimitri Martin joke. Uh huh. It's hard to tell. I think it's a Mitch Hedberg joke. Uh huh. And it's and and the joke is how. Bananas are the opposite of uh, stoplights because uh, green on a banana means hold up. Yeah. This sounds like more like Dimitri Martin to me, but keep going. And and yellow means go. (laughs) And red means what happened to these bananas. (laughs) Something Something like that. I'm going to look. keep talking about Brassica. I'm going to look up that joke. Okay. So, the Brassica plant, this wild cabbage plant, was selectively bred for different characteristics depending on what people wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got all of these different vegetables that are, like, totally different from one another. So, mm-hmm. how, like, what was bred for what? So, if they were bred for the terminal buds... So the ones that are on the top of the plant, you end up getting cabbage. Mm-hmm. If it's bred for the lateral buds, the ones that are on the stems of the plant, you end up getting Brussels sprouts. Which you, Have you ever seen Brussels sprouts, like, on a stalk? I don't think so. They The first time I saw them, it was when I was working at Emma's. And it was one of those situations where I was like, wow, I really don't know, like, how my own food is made because Liz, I just saw Liz them and was like referring to a time when she was a uh, waitress for a restaurant called Emma's Food for Life. Yes, sorry, I thought I've mentioned them before. Maybe you have, but maybe people don't remember or they didn't hear that. So I'm sending you a picture of Brussels on the stock right now. I remember mm-hmm. coming upstairs and saying to Emma, my boss, the mm-hmm. titular Emma, rest yes. in peace. She did. She did die in a car crash last year, the young age of 40, um, or maybe 39. Um, 
I said, Emma, what is that cancer downstairs? They just look like what I am like imagine tumors look like. Uh-huh. Um and she was like, That's just how Brussels sprouts come. And I was like, Wah. Yeah, I'm uh yeah, I'm looking at it now. This looks sort of familiar. Maybe I've seen this before. Occasionally they sell these in the grocery stores now, like in a Trader Joe's or in a Whole Foods, because it's sort of like a novelty thing. But really, uh-huh. it's just like, now you have to cut those off, and it's like very annoying. Yeah. When Emma had them in the basement, it was because she was like working directly with farmers, so like, fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. me in my kitchen, no thank you. Um, If you... S- it, oh, go ahead. Did you find it? It, it was Mitch Hedberg, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Re- also, rest in peace. Yes. With Emma. Yes, I'm sure they're hanging out together. She would jamming out that. on that perfect rock rock band in heaven. <laughs> She's like, "How did I get to the rock band heaven? Why aren't I in the fucking heaven?" <laughs> everybody, everybody dies, goes to heaven, and picks up a guitar <laughs> or drumsticks or a guitar with out. drumsticks. Yeah, oh, in heaven. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Beyond our wildest dreams. So if the plant is bred selectively for its stem, you get kohlrabi. If it's bred selectively for the leaves, you get kale. Mm. If it's for the stems and the flowers, you get broccoli. So those little green guys, that little green, the florets. Yep. Floret for a reason. It's Ah. the flowers. And you remember how it had yellow flowers? Yes. Have you ever seen broccoli that's like a little bit too far gone? Sure, yeah. What color does it turn? It turns yellow. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it's just the flower clusters, you get cauliflower. Ah. Now, which is also was mind-blowing to me for this reason. People always say, oh, Brussels sprouts, they're like little cabbages. No, they literally are little cabbages. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) They're not like it. It is uh-huh. the same plant. Right. That has just been bred selectively slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm ruining up my, my doodly-doo. Um, and part of the reason I love this plant so much is, as far as I can tell, this is one of the, this is the only plant, if not one of the only plant, where the end result is so radically different than the beginning, mm. right? Yeah. If you had seen that plant, would you have any idea that all those vegetables came from that plant? Hell no. Could you have even, like, guessed? Like, if, if I had said to you, like, this plant produces vegetables, what do you think? Mm-hmm. No, I would, I, I would have guessed, like, this is where, like, mustard seeds come from. Or, oh like, my god, Will! Yeah? Okay, we're gonna get there. Okay. Okay, so... Yes, it's incredible. And mm-hmm. I really like brassica. Um, mm-hmm. my, I eventually want to get a tattoo of a brassica oleracea plant on my leg. Okay. Um, because I think that, because here's the th- the other thing. This has taken thousands of years. Sure. Um, there's references to like, you know, Grecian people mm-hmm. in like old timey Greece eating yeah. Versions of brassica that have been in recognizable forms to us. Uh-huh. And yet the fact that there's two things about this. The fact that like humans like very carefully and patiently 
bred them to create these totally different plants that seem like unrecognizable to one another or recognizable in a way that seems silly like the fact that brussels sprouts look like tiny cabbage is silly yes um but that's exactly what it is i think says a lot about um the patience of humans but also the needs Mm. of humans um part of the reason this plant was so popular and this is where it comes in with january is it's a cool weather plant Uh uh-huh so you don't have to be in like a Florida right. and have a really long growing season. You can grow it successfully in cooler weather and still get a bounty of different plants with different uh-huh. nutrients. Um, and then on top of this, you know, all of these plants store really well in cooler climate. So like it's strawberry mm-hmm. season right now in um, on the, on the East coast. And the strawberries are just perfect. They're like these, they're so sweet. They're these like little rubies and they're totally indulgent and it lasts like three weeks. And then I don't eat strawberries for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, willingly. I mean, I, it's not like they force me to. If I'm provided a meal that has a strawberry on it, I will eat it. But it's not like I'm like, I'm going to go to the store and buy strawberries. Yeah. Um, because out of season strawberries are just not good. Um, but these plants are plants that you can grow when it's cool and mm-hmm. then store for, for many months and they'll still right. be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, with some exceptions, kale gets sort of wilty, but, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just love this about this vegetable. I think it's so beautiful and I think it feels very human to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the fact that like, we know, like, because of genetics now, because of this very modern thing, this very modern part of science, that yeah. for certain, this is how these plants came to be. Yeah. Because we can have, like, genetic evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Is, th- is this a good time to get into, because you, you were saying that this plant you love seems human. Yeah. Or human-like. Is this a time to get into the, what it made me think of, which is which is a, a theory... That I've had, not a theory, but, like, my own personal definition of, like, what constitutes life. No, Oh, yeah, that would be just, great. Just because, like, we can't agree on this, right? Uh, when I say we, I don't mean the two of us. I mean <laughs> humans generally. Yeah. And, um, the like, what I know of, like, the definition of life from, like, biology class mm-hmm. is that, like, it extends to a lot of things in the world uh a lot of things that uh i can't relate to Mm -hmm. because uh they don't appear to have minds Mm -hmm. in the way that i uh like to think that i do so uh that got me thinking like okay if i if i kind of in in, like intuitively like sort of don't trust that definition of life that means like all the plants are alive and like so am i it's yeah. like it's like what okay well, like what does that mean for like being alive if like what you can say about me i'm alive is also true of like that yeah. tree uh-huh. so so i thought about and what i came up with is okay it's alive if wait it's alive as opposed to okay it's <laughs> it's <laughs> it it has life 
if it was born with eyeballs. Really? <laughs> eyeballs? Yeah. That's that's the definition that I came up with. Can I tell or, you, when my mom was a vegetarian, my mom, hi mom, was a vegetarian uh, from the time I was like seven to the time I was 17, a dec- mm-hmm. oh, pretty much a decade. Yeah. And she became a vegetarian because meat started tasting really weird to her. Um, and also mm. Paul McCartney, who's her, like, you know, favorite person, uh-huh. was vegetarian. Um, Better him than Morrissey. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, a different British man. Mm. Morrissey's British, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and she used to describe it to people that she wouldn't eat anything that had a face. Yes. And my snarky grandmother said her mother said well what about a shrimp Mm -hmm. (laughs) and my mom said it has a face it's just ugly ah yes (laughs) so eyeballs are the if it can see so you really are tying like sight to consciousness i would i would never i would never say if it can see yeah because i would never mean to imply that um, blind people are not alive. Yes, of course. But yes, if if eyeballs are the norm uh-huh. for it, a species, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, then uh, then that's that seems like something I can relate to enough to be like, yeah, it and I are both alive. Uh huh. That makes sense. Do you know about <laughs> trees? I I know a little bit about trees. <laughs> Do you know I, about trees in a forest? Uh, I know something about them. I read a book that was difficult for me to read because after the first chapter, I found it boring. Uh huh. And that book was called The Secret Lives of Trees. Oh, maybe this is where this is from. I haven't actually read that book. Jory Graham told me this at a poetry reading. Not just me. She told it to all the crowd, but. I'm I'm sorry. It's not called The Secret Lives of Trees. Uh, It's called The Hidden Life of Trees. Ah. What was... they feel, how they communicate, discoveries from a secret world. And it's written by Peter Wollobin or something <laughs> like that. So the thing that she told us, which seems very likely that it was from that book, was that trees in a forest will mourn a dead tree. So mm. if there is a sick tree, yeah. um, the other trees through their root systems will send that sick tree extra water and nutrients. Yeah. And if the tree then dies and it's just like a stump or like a dead tree, mm-hmm. the trees, I forget how she indicated to me that the trees would understand that it was no longer receiving the nutrients, mm. but would continue to send it, send them to the tree, which yeah. they were indicating was like a form of mourning. That's what we project onto that process. Yeah. Of course. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to suddenly be like, well, we can't eat mm-hmm. anything because everything suffers. But Yeah, I don't know if that fact specifically was in this book, but it very well might have been. That is exactly the kind of thing right. that makes up this book. All about how trees, in you know, where, where they live together in, say, forests, for mm-hmm. example, how they will, yes, like nourish each other how they will like give each other space how they Mm -hmm. will um communicate with you know with signals to each other and like the root system is this whole network underground and yada 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 
One thing that I know about trees, I've already talked about on this podcast. I mentioned crown oh, right. shyness in yeah. the, uh, the Witness episode. I still haven't found that crown shyness little hidden puzzle to Witness, by the way. Well, I maybe, look for it constantly. Maybe in a future live stream, I will point it out to you. Oh, please. Uh, um, but, every uh, live yeah, stream is going to be of the Witness, by the way. I don't know if you guys have not well on that. for a time. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, but until I see a tree with eyeballs, uh, I, I, I remain skeptical. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're not including those clay faces that people put on to... Hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. You can buy, like, a clay eyeball, a cl- like clay, clay eyes, a clay nose, and a clay mouth, and you sort of, like, nail it to a tree so it makes it look like the tree has a face. Oh. But I bring this up specifically because... I think a snarky person might send you a picture of that. Yeah. And I'm I've cutting se- them off. I've seen a few trees that I thought were alive uh, watching uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I I saw a tree that I thought was alive in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody is on my side. And I'm also saying this specifically to make Blake and Kenny mad because Ents are not trees. They're the protectors of trees. And I always like to say that Ents are trees that are alive because it makes them mad. Yeah. There's, um, there's, there's no meaningful distinction there. I, uh, I recently put Elliot on my shoulder and said, uh, look, Kenny, I'm an Ent. I'm a living tree. Look at me walk mm. around. Ent, yep. ent, ent, tree, tree, tree. And Kenny was like, just like breathed in, sighed deeply and said, Ents aren't. And I said, and I'm saying this specifically to make you mad. I then proceeded to text this conversation to my brother, but paused between text messages saying that I know that Ents aren't trees, but I said it to make him mad. And uh, while I sent the second text message, like a second later i got yeah. a text message from blake that just said ents aren't trees and then yeah, a he... second after that he got sent me another text message that said also congratulations you've also annoyed me yeah yeah he, he snuck in there <laughs> um the one more thing i will say about trees is that the thing that based on this anecdotal story about trees that was so incredible to me was that i assumed initially that it would be all trees of the same sort so, like, a bunch of oak trees communicating with each other. But mm-hmm. she indicated that it was all of the trees. Uh-huh. Um, which seems... Because, you know, hypothetically, like, a goose can talk to another goose somehow. But, uh, you know, they have a sounds that make sense to the other geese. But yeah. it's not like those goose sounds make sense to a bear any more than, like, a goose sound makes sense to us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I mean? I mean, hypothetically, I'm sure somebody has more information about this, but in my mind, the fact that these mm-hmm. different species of trees were communicating, so it wasn't just, like, one species of trees, like, self-preserving itself. Yeah. So do you want to learn some more about Brassica? Absolutely. So Brassica, I said we were focusing on Brassica oleracea. That is my yep. favorite Brassica. Okay. There are six main mm kinds of brassica Mm -hmm. they are brassica rapa brassica nigra brassica oleracea i'm putting them in this order for a reason brassica juncia brassica napis and brassica carinata Mm -hmm. 
Okay? Yep. So, these different brassica all produce different things. So, I said earlier that my calendar included turnips. Mm-hmm. But you may have noticed that I did not mention the turnip when referencing brassica. Yeah. Uh, Oleracea. That is because mm-hmm. tur- a turnip is, uh, produces, is from the brassica rapa. Mm-hmm. And also Chinese cabbage comes from the brassica rapa. Okay. Um, and I believe I've actually even, and if you look at these plants, they all look very, very similar to one another. So brassica uh-huh. rapa also produces, um, uh, bok choy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Napa cabbage, rapini, okay. tatsoi, which is another sort of like Asian, uh, commonly found in Asian cooking, like leafy green, uh-huh. turnips, yellow sarson, which is not something I've ever heard of, but it's on the list, and also mm. field mustard. Uh-huh. Brassica nigra is also known as black mustard. So when you were saying mustard earlier, that's why I was like, mm. ha because yes. all of these do in fact um create different mustard um a lot of these create different kinds of mustard um so brassica nigra is black mustard brassica juncia is indian mustard brassica napis is rapeseed and rutabaga and i'll come back to the rutabaga in a second and brassica Mm -hmm. carinata is ethiopian mustard so some of these are sort of boring they're not nearly as exciting as brassica oleracea clearly okay um because there's just not as many different sorts of things that come from them but I was looking this up, and I had known in my mind that the rutabaga. I had read this previously. The rutabaga is a hybrid. Okay. What does a rutabaga look like to you? I, like, if you were to guess the half of the hybrid of a rutabaga, what do you think it is? Um, if, I mean, if my mental picture of a rutabaga is accurate, which it may not be, I think it looks like a turnip. Yes. Okay. So a rutabaga is a um, hybrid of a turnip and specific, a brassica oleracea, specifically cabbage. Okay. But that's weird, right? Yeah, that's a little weird. Because when you think of a cabbage, it's like all of these different leaves. Yeah. And rutabagas don't have that at all. Um, but they mm-hmm. do look very similar to turnips. And I think people oftentimes use them a little bit interchangeably to turnips. Yeah. So, for a long time, they didn't totally understand how these different plants were connected to one another, but they had a suspicion that they did. And so, there's this thing I found called the Triangle of You, and it's a theory about the evolution and relationships among members of the plant genus Brassica. Okay. I'm going to say a lot of words. But I'm going to simple, after I say them, I'm going to make them more simple. Just okay. real quick, the triangle yes. of U, as yes. in Y-O-U or the letter U? The letter U. Okay. Um, And the reason of that is because the botanist who first published this in 1935, he came up with this theory before there, had, there, before there was actually genetics, and yeah. it has since been uh, verified by genetics, which is incredible. Okay. He was yeah. a Korean-Japanese botanist. Um, his name was Wu Jang Chun, but he mm-hmm. wrote under the Japanese name uh, Nagaharo U, letter U. And so that's uh-huh. how this became the Triangle of U. Okay. So 
basically, three of these brassica um, types are diploid, and mm-hmm. three of them are tetraploid. Tetra meaning four here. Yes. Uh, we don't need to know what this means with genetics. And by we, I mean I don't know. <laughs> but it, you can sort of see what happens. So basically what he figured out is that he he gave Brassica nigra, Brassica oleracea, and Brassica rapa each letters. He gave them AA, BB, and CC. Mm-hmm. And then the other three, Brassica carinita, Brassica juncia, and Brassica napis, um, are combinations of those. So for example, um, we were just talking about the rutabaga. The yep. rutabaga is AACC, the mm-hmm. Brassica napis. That means it's a hybrid of Brassica oleracea and Brassica rapa. Mm-hmm. Brassica carnita is Brassica oleracea and Brassica nigra, and Brassica juncia is nigra and rapa together. And this, I found out about yesterday. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I say I found out about this yesterday is because I have written so many poems about these different plants. I've looked them up. I've looked at multiple pictures of Brassica oleracea as um, reference photos for this tattoo that I'm eventually going to get when I have money, so maybe never. And um, I just somehow missed reading about this until now. But Uh it's, again, the same thing where all of these plants that seem in some ways totally different from one another are Mm -hmm. still super connected. Even mm-hmm. more so than I suspected initially. Mm-hmm. Because for a long time, I thought turnips and rutabagas fell under, and Chinese cabbage too, fell under the Brassica oleracea umbrella. And they don't. Okay. Um, they fall under another Brassica umbrella. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair to my calendar initially, was still accurate. Because they didn't specify Brassica oleracea. It just said... Brassica. Brassica. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a thing. This is again this intersection where we had these plants for thousands of years, mm-hmm. and somehow figured out what we were doing with them. Somebody mm-hmm. before we even have genetics figures out in botany the connection between them, mm-hmm. based on some other way to research this information, and then through genetics, right. We confirm it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, pretty good. It's like a might. It might make uh, someone else, not me, go like science. Fuck yeah, <laughs> or something like that. Like <laughs> epic win for epic science. Win for science. Yeah, I fucking love science. Or just like science with like a bunch of exclamation marks. Yeah, he scienced the shit out of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay, do you have any questions about this? I have one more part to this podcast. I was thinking, what time is it? Okay, yes, I was thinking this podcast might be a little bit shorter than the others. I have, but I would like to know um, if you have any questions first. Okay, without you, knowing, let me actually ask you a question. Okay. Do you find this exciting as I do? Well, I <laughs> What do you do you want do you want to hear? I think you know the answer. Have I convinced you that this is exciting? It's it's it, it is an interesting rich area. Cool. Yes. Except I accept. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my question for you would be, so how does how does it go? How does this go from like oh like that's neat? I didn't know these vegetables were so related to one another. Mm-hmm. To you wrote half a poetry manuscript based around this topic, like just without you know getting into like everything about <laughs> the poems that you've written like could, could you just like in like lightly bridge that gap so oh like my knowledge from like that i learned from yesterday versus like the poems i've already written uh no, no more uh, well i no i mean i meant more like from like how, how do you like wh- why so many poems about oh. about this yeah like so I guess I was what I'm interested in with these plants, which I which I've sort of already talked about a lot, and what I'm sort of writing about in this selection of poems too is the idea of farming as this sort of wild domesticity, okay, um, and relating that to like human relationships. So I know oh, yeah. I said like it became about every woman woman that's ever betrayed me. Right. Um, and the poems are about these two women that live on this farm and then halfway through, spoilers, the, the speaker, the, um, the you in the poems leaves. Uh-huh. With very little explanation. Right. And, um, the speaker then sort of has this farm with all of these plants and has to decide, like, what she's going to take care of, what she's not going to take care of, what she's going to let go to seed, what she can harvest, what she can't harvest. Mm-hmm. And I think that relationships are like that, too, much like a farm, which is that, like, farms are very constructed, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, when you think of a farm specifically, there's, like, rows of plants, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and And yet, and we can do something, like, take thousands of years to create broccoli, out yeah. of something that looks nothing like broccoli. Yeah. And yet, we can't control how those plants are actually going to grow. We uh, we can't? You could have a totally failing year as a farmer. Right, right, okay. Yeah. And that's true, I think, of... So the reason I was writing so many of these poems is because that's true, I think, of relationships in a way that feels just like kind of devastating to me, which is that like you can put everything into a relationship and it can still fail and it can still not be your fault. Much Uh like you can put everything into a farm and it can still be a year of a drought and you just can't keep up with the watering or there's not water enough. Right. Or, um, you can have a flood. Okay. And you can't control the flood, and now all of your tomatoes have burst open because there's too much water and they're waterlogged. Yeah. Um, Are you taking a picture? Your hair, I don't know if it's the light, but you look like you have the Aaron Hansen hmm. streak. Yeah, do you see it in your camera? Uh, well, um, no, because I'm, uh, as I usually am, I'm looking at the levels on Audacity. But it, Oh, yeah, and now I'm looking at myself, and yeah, I see how the sunlight is hitting. It's like perfect. 
Yeah, that's neat. Um, like exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so that's that's the bridge there is um in these poems I'm talking about sort of um one of which is dedicated to you. Oh yeah. Is it, have you sent it to me? Have I read uh-huh. it? Yeah, okay. Do you then remember why it's dedicated to you? Um I'm I I'm not remembering right now. Cuz it has delicata squash in it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will yes, w- Will once wrote something that had delicate squash in it, and I said, did you mean delicata? And he said, no, of course not, because I've never heard of that. Yeah. (laughs) And it was published uh, and online by the time you read it and pointed that out to me. So, (laughs) uh, no chance to change it. And uh, It's the internet. You could ask the dude to change it. No. (laughs) But! And... uh, yeah, you you might be wondering why did I write that? <laughs> Cuz I I I think it should I think it should be clear by now that I I don't have the interest in vegetables that you have. <laughs> and the answer is of course I was writing about the video game Plants vs Zombies. It's true. Yes. And I, so I was googling vegetables <laughs> and types of squash. <laughs> I read Delicata and thought it said delicate. Yeah, which is a perfectly reasonable assumption, because what the hell is Delicata? Never heard of it. Only my favorite kind of squash. Only my favorite kind of winter squash. Different from oh. summer squash, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Okay. Um, Summer squash is like a zucchini. Um, uh-huh. So, do you have any more questions? Not at this point. Okay. So I'm going to give us, uh, you, some recipe ideas. Oh, fun. That's like a real podcast thing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to give you some sort of general, because I think the other thing is like, how many people have you heard say like, I hate Brussels sprouts? Yeah, sure. Plenty. Yeah. So Surprisingly Awesome did a podcast on broccoli, and part of what they were focusing on um, was... Brassica oleracea in general. And that's, mm-hmm. um, I already knew a lot about it, but I got some uh, extra information from this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things I learned is that, um, the brassica plant specifically has, um, a compound in it that can turn sulfurous, mm-hmm. um, and taste and smell pretty bad to some people. So, um, for some people, it's like milder than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why some people are like very, very averse to these vegetables and there's sort of ways you can mitigate that. Uh-huh. So for a long time, um, do you know how people ate Brussels sprouts? Like our parents ate Brussels sprouts for the most part? Uh, no, but if I had to guess raw? No, worse. Mm. Boiled whole. Okay. Um, my mom will talk about how she hates Brussels sprouts. Like, I didn't eat Brussels sprouts until my ex-boyfriend's mom made them. And when she mm-hmm. made them, they were perfect and delicious for a reason that I'll explain in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom used to describe Brussels sprouts to me as terrible little cabbages that you would bite into and just have the most bitter juice fill your mouth. Yeah. Like, terrible, just like a terrible little bomb of disgustingness. Yes, I've I've had this version of brussels sprouts yes it's terrible Mm -hmm. nobody should eat brussels sprouts that way 
Correct. Um, and so because of this, there's ways that you can um, cook these vegetables that make them, I think, way more palatable. And one mm-hmm. of the ways, one of the things that works well with almost all of these um, vegetables, I, I would say maybe minus cabbage, is mm-hmm. roasting. Yes. So do you know what, I know you know the word roast, but do you know like specifically what roasting is? Uh, no, I guess not specifically. Do you have a, a guess? Uh, cooking something in a pan over a flame or a heat source. So it's in the oven specifically. Okay. Um, and it's, yes, you're right. It's cooking something on a pan and it's at a fairly high heat. Okay. So, um, for like veg, for like, uh, broccoli or cauliflower, you're probably going to want to be in the 400 to 450 range. Mm -hmm. Um, and also for these vegetables, it's useful to have them covered in some amount of fat. Mm -hmm. And this is why when you cover them in fat, um, like oil or whatever, Mm-hmm. They will begin to caramelize. Mm, and yeah. when they caramelize, they get a little bit sweet. Not sweet yeah. in the way of a sweet potato or sweet right. in the way of sugar or like mm-hmm. candy. But yeah. uh, it's this sweetness that helps cut through the sort of bitterness or yeah. the sulfuriness that can happen if you were to just boil it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes them so delicious. As well as providing yeah. a textural, textural element that's like mm-hmm. in contrast to the the vegetable otherwise so the first time that i had brussels sprouts um that my ex-boyfriend's mom had made she had cut them in half and roasted them yes um and sprinkled them i believe with a little bit of parmesan a little bit of salt Mm. a little bit of pepper yep um and so pretty much all of these if you cut them up Mm -hmm. cover them in a bit of oil roast them i would say put them in for 10 or 15 minutes and turn them every so often yeah. Um, af- after that, uh, mm-hmm. you will get a delicious side dish that everyone will enjoy. Yes. This is a preparation that I am familiar with. And uh, yes, it's a regular part of my diet. Thanks in part to my girlfriend and thanks in <laughs> part to the CSA that uh, provides our vegetables on a yes. weekly basis do you know the game that um dana and i play when you guys get the csa game (laughs) dana and i play a game which started from a true question but ended with me just saying could you send this to me every week yeah do you does she send you pictures and then you have to guess what they are yes and i'm right like 90 percent of the time the times Uh that i get it wrong is when it's some weird varietal that i just couldn't have predicted because right. i don't know every single kind of yeah. vegetable but yeah some weird stuff sneaks in there mm-hmm. which is cool yeah um so yeah so that's the first thing now the the with brussels sprouts specifically you can get that same delicious caramelized state by pan frying them so uh-huh. you want to get like a really um hot frying pan yeah Put in a layer of oil so that you need the oil so that the heat, like, touches every part of the Brussels sprout because it's not going to lay perfectly flat, especially as it cooks against the pan. Uh So you want, like, a layer of oil so that every part of the flat side of the Brussels sprout is cooking. And then, like, let them sit. Don't touch them. Check one every so often. And then once they're, like, golden brown, 
like flip them up in the pan and then sprinkle with salt while they're still hot. Yeah. Let them cook on a little bit on the other side to take off that raw edge. Now, have you heard about broccoli steaks? Before I answer that, can I yes. ask you a quick question? Of course. Uh, when you're pan frying like that, do you have a preferred oil in the kitchen? That is a great question. Yes. Um, I prefer, I have keep two oils on hand in my kitchen. Yeah. The first is extra virgin olive oil. And the second is motor oil. Safflower oil. Safflower? Yes. So safflower is similar to canola. Oh, and speaking of which, um, uh, you can also, canola oil, which is also good. Yeah. From the rapeseed plant, but clearly ah. they didn't want to call it rapeseed oil. <laughs> yeah. Um, a brassica. Brassica uh-huh. napis. Great. Bringing it back. You could just have an all brassica meal. Yes. Uh, right down to the oil that you're cooking it in. Uh-huh. So, um, those oils are good because they don't, they have a high smoke point. Uh-huh. So what this means is that if I put butter in, Mm -hmm. which has a low smoke point because it's got a lot of protein in it and it's got water in it and stuff like that. If I put butter into a 400 degree oven on like my stuff slathered with butter into 400 degrees for like 35 minutes, it's going to burn. Right. And it's also going to smoke, which is not good for taste or your smoke alarm. Yes. Um, Canola, safflower, um... Some, like, uh, oh, what's it called? Like, grapeseed, I think. Mm. Avocado, maybe. Oh, don't quote me on that. All have pretty high smoke points. Mm. Um, Olive oil, if you're pan frying, regular mm. olive oil is also pretty stable. That's totally okay. fine for cooking in. Extra virgin olive oil is very fruity. It's a lot more delicate. And I uh-huh. have that on hand for raw applications. So I'll finish mm. something with that. If I oh. have, um, like, I make a tomato soup that I put tortellini in, I'll mm-hmm. drizzle some olive oil on that at the end. So it's still hot, but it's uh-huh. not, like, being heated. Yeah. Um, if I'm uh, making a salad dressing, I'll use extra virgin olive oil. Mm-hmm. Extra virgin olive oil also has, like, a flavor as opposed mm-hmm. to safflower, which is, like, considered more of a neutral oil. Yeah. And so I don't really like using that in every application unless I want that flavor. Mm-hmm. So that is what I'm using um, in most of these um, high heat um, applications. Yeah. We and, mostly uh, we mostly have olive oil in our mm-hmm. kitchen. If it's good enough for Popeye, it's good <laughs> enough for me. Cook some is spinach in that. Is it extra or is it just regular oil? Olive oil. Uh, um, we I think we usually get the extra virgin, okay. but uh, not as a rule. It's not like the end of the world that you're using it that way. Um, uh-huh. But for, I mean, definitely for something like roasting as opposed to sauteing, you'd be better off with like a safflower. Okay. I don't have like a million kinds of oil. Uh, plenty of people have mm-hmm. like like safflower and olive yeah. oil and then they have coconut oil and then they have avocado and, oil and yeah I, I mean if you want to have two it's like a raw one and a hot one okay um coconut oil also has a flavor so i actually did buy yeah. coconut oil for a very specific cake i was making that was yeah. like a coconut cake mm-hmm. and then i used it for a while um and it was quite nice but mm. um so there's that um okay so i know steaks. you like meat that's yes, that's true. And I don't want to say, "Hey, 
this is like meat. Yeah. Because it's not. Of course. But the idea is that mm-hmm. you're taking a technique and an application. Yeah. And you're applying it to a different piece of food. Yep. So um, you're taking the idea of taking a steak, mm-hmm. rubbing it with olive oil, rubbing mm-hmm. it with like a steak rub. So like yeah. a mixture of spices. Uh-huh. And then having it caramelize and creating mm-hmm. a crust. Yeah. And then eating it with a steak knife and a fork. Uh-huh. And you can do this with broccoli and with cauliflower. I've read mm. some places where with the cauliflower specifically where they'll have you blanch it first, and I just don't think that's necessary. Sort mm. of to like pre parboil it, like cook it a little bit ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um but basically what you'll do is you'll take a head of broccoli, depending on how big it is, you'll cut it into half or to quarters. So you want mm-hmm. something that's like, you know, maybe the size of um I don't know, what's this? Size. Uh the size of a softball? Yeah, sure. The size of a softball. You know, bigger or smaller, depending on how much you want to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, rub it down with olive oil. Sprinkle on um, your seasoning, your steak seasoning. Um, I If it doesn't have salt, put on salt. And then you're going to put it into like a 400, 450 degree oven. Um, I think I like to start with like 20 minutes. And then mm-hmm. I usually will flip it over. So I usually put it down on the flat stem side first. Mm. Um, and then I'll flip it over just at the very end so that the bottom doesn't um, cook. And then I just to get a little bit of color on like one point. Uh-huh. And that is um, delightful to eat as a side uh-huh. dish. And That's a side. I like to – sometimes we eat it as a main but with uh-huh. like other – like a couple of other things. Right. Um, like pasta or something. Okay. But um, as a side dish, it's, like, essentially the same as eating, like, a bunch of florets. Yeah. But I think it's easier because you don't have to cut as much. Uh-huh. Like, if you get a small head of broccoli, you just cut that shit in half and roast it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so much easier than, like, cutting mm-hmm. it into florets. Like, right. making sure that they're all a similar size so that some don't burn or yeah, are undercooked. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> So yeah, I Kenny and I will love a broccoli or a cauliflower steak. Um, speaking of cauliflower, mm-hmm. you can find like a million recipes that use cauliflower as a replacement for like carbs on the internet right now. Sure. Have you seen some of these? I've known for a long time that like the the idea that like. If you use a uh, barbecue sauce on cauliflower, it's just like you're eating a chicken nugget. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, maybe you could put that in a poem. So I think <laughs> So I think a lot of these are a lot of work. Like cauliflower rice, the idea of ricing cauliflower um huh. I think is like fine, but I think it's a lot of work. Some people will rice cauliflower, press out a bunch of the water, and use it as, like, a gluten-free crust for, like, a pizza-type situation. I have heard of cauliflower crust, yeah. Um, I think that they're all fine. If you really need it for, like, a specific health reason, I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> which is to say, like, if there's a real reason that you need to do that, I'm really glad that you found it. You'll allow it. <laughs> I, I think that, in general, it's a lot more work than the yield. Uh-huh. Um, with one exception, okay, which is um, mashed cauliflower. Mm. Um, so taking cauliflower, boiling it until it's tender, draining out most of the water, and then like pureeing it either in a blender or with an immersion blender, um, mm-hmm. and then adding 
um, maybe a little bit of butter, maybe a little bit of cheese, salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to mashed potatoes. It's certainly nothing like mashed potatoes in the sense that I put two cups of heavy cream and two sticks of butter into my mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. But yeah. um, it's got, if you need something on the side that you want to be like, really filling, but you don't want it to be as heavy as potatoes, especially if you're putting in the amount of butter and heavy cream that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's also great. You can make mashed cauliflower. And if you have some sort of like meat, like a, like a braised stew or something like that, and you want something uh, a little bit extra to sort of put it on, um, mm-hmm. I think it's great for that too. Um, and it is good for something that if you want to have like a lot of something that isn't like starch. So like potatoes, rice, pasta, it's. I think it's really good for that. Right. And I think it tastes very good boiled and pureed like that. Can I ask a, a quick uh, cooking question? Yes. Do, do you do you not cook with uh, garlic? Oh yeah, garlic in there too would be good. Oh okay. Garlic is an allium, which we can maybe talk about on a future rest episode. Interesting. Yeah, I was just um, you know, as you've uh, described, like seasoning things. Uh-huh. And you've, you know, I I keep expecting you to mention garlic. Mm -hmm. And when you haven't uh, uh, repeatedly, I started to think like, oh, maybe Liz doesn't like garlic. No, I bought 10 pounds of pre-peeled garlic from H Mart a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago at this point, roasted it with a bunch of oil and then um, until it was caramelized and perfectly soft and then put the puree of that into small bags, which I took one out of the freezer each week and used it until it was gone Uh, (laughs) and it's gone nice so yeah i really like garlic yeah we uh we do too we cook with it uh a lot yes um and then the two other things is i don't like eating a lot of brassica raw um as much as i love vegetables i actually don't super love chewing which maybe sounds crazy okay but like the thing with raw vegetables is like it takes so long to chew them Mm-hmm. And sometimes this just feels really overwhelming to me. <laughs> it uh-huh. seems like a lot of work, and I just feel like I need to like have a lot of liquid on the side too. But there mm-hmm. are two, um, with, and this is with the exception of raw broccoli, which I think is fine for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Though I would never eat it plain. Um, hmm. But there are two recipes that I think are really good raw with brassica. The first is if you take kale and destem it and then chop it, and you rub it, and massage is the word they usually use in these recipes, mm-hmm. which I hate. You sort of rub it with um, olive oil, and or some sort of oil. Olive oil would be appropriate mm-hmm. here, though, and salt, and let it sit for a little bit. It mm-hmm. breaks down the fibrous nature of um, the kale, and then mm-hmm. you can add whatever you want, um, like some walnuts, some apples, some like white wine vinegar for some acid or you know whatever you're in the mood for a protein like if you wanted to have some chicken that was like chopped up or some fish um mm-hmm. i think that's a lovely way to have a kale salad mm-hmm. and that's a way that you can um really break it up or uh, break it down just enough that you don't have to have it cooked right and then the other one is there's this um this Smitten Kitchen is one of my favorite food blogs, and she has this shredded Brussels sprout salad. Mm. Um, and this, I think, goes says a lot about, like, the way that you cut something radically changes, like, how good it is. 
Uh-huh. So, like, again, we were sort of, we sort of talked about this with the Brussels sprouts, but, like, a whole Brussels sprout is never going to be pleasurable to eat. But when you cut it in half and expose all those little layers and caramelize them, it's a totally different game. Mm-hmm. And the same is true here with these Brussels sprouts. A raw Brussels sprout is not good, but what she does is she – it is a little bit of work, but she takes Brussels sprouts and thinly slices them until they're shreds. You could hypothetically mm-hmm. use a mandolin for this, and you can also buy pre-shredded Brussels sprouts at a lot of stores now. Okay. Though they're going to have some of the stem in a way that might not be pleasurable to you. Uh-huh. Um, but this salad is um, a Brussels sprout, apple, and pomegranate salad. And it's shredded Brussels sprouts, um, red wine vinegar. She has a large red onion that I did not put in because I don't like raw onion. Uh, mm. Sumac, which is a um, sort of citrusy tart um, seasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, pomegranate seeds. A uh, Granny Smith apple that's been diced, uh, lemon juice, honey, olive oil, and walnuts. And then she mm-hmm. also puts some pepper on there. Um, you mix that all together, and it is so good. The Brussels sprouts are really easy to chew because they're shredded, so they're actually quite delicate instead of being the sort of, like, harsh, slightly bitter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the oil and the acid um, are working together to, you know, do what they do best with vegetables, which is make them easier to eat. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you have a little bit of sweetness and tartness coming from the fruit. Right. Which, again, is counteracting this bitterness that's coming from the Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. I made this for a work um, potluck, thinking, oh, nobody's going to eat this. Because, like, nobody had signed up for any vegetables. Uh-huh. And so I was like, well, who am I if I do not bring a vegetable? Right. And it was totally gone. Wow. They ate all of it. Yeah. Um, so I'll link this in the um in the notes. But those those are some of my favorite ways to eat um brassica. Sweet. Which we eat, I would say, maybe like every week. Cool. And did pe like all like all year round? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though we do really I mean we really do like lean heavy into it in the winter because it's one of the few vegetables that I know is reliably going to be pretty fresh. Right. Um, even when it's like the worst months for produce. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, and that's that my, your... uh, that's, that's my episode on brassica. Will, do you have any other questions? And, and at your potluck, it was, it was, uh, I mean, obviously it was popular if it was fully consumed, but like, what, what were the reviews besides people eating it? Did they, did they have their mouths empty long enough to, to say any words about it? They wanted me to send them the recipe immediately. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. which doesn't, I mean, I, I cook a lot for the people at work and that doesn't happen all the time. So I was like, I mean, I thought it was a good that's salad. That's a good review. I mean, that's why I brought it, but mm-hmm. I did not expect it to be the star of the show in, like, Christmas yeah. time and Thanksgiving wow. times when there's, like, mashed potatoes and turkey and and uh, uh, our um, Indian coworkers always bring samosas that are, like, incredible. Uh-huh. And yet, people wanted my Brussels sprout salad. That's impressive. Yeah. You really so broke I think- through. I think if you guys don't eat a lot of that brassica, you should. I think you should also, if you are never going to like brassica, then at least be in wonder of it. Yeah, it is awe-inspiring. Good job. (laughs) And thank you for the education. You're welcome. I'm sure we'll have many more podcasts about plants. 
I almost um, <laughs> made this a double feature with Citrus and then decided, and then I found that triangle of you thing and thought, no, I, mm. can, I can do this now. Yeah, you can you can draw this out. Uh-huh. That's cool. Triangle of you. Um, uh, well, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I would rather not. <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't have anything else, I think that's the podcast, my friend. I think you're right. Um, I will, uh, can I, can I do a, a brief segment? Yeah, please. Um, this is a segment that, uh, so you, you know how our episodes are and how they've been. They've yeah. been long. Yes. And we've had a lot to talk about. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so there's been no time for me to do a segment that I've been wanting to do for a little while, which is just, uh, Will's year in film check-in <laughs> okay go ahead it's early june 2019 uh-huh. uh when we did the uh oscars episode last season uh i did a very brief uh preview of uh-huh. what i saw in the the year ahead for films yep i think i mentioned maybe four or five films mm-hmm. and uh so far uh i've seen one of those oh what did you see uh, that movie was Us by Jordan Peele. Yes, Kenny very much wants to purchase this to rent to watch. Ah, uh, because he, uh, because you, ha- because you haven't seen it, either of you. I have not seen it. He has seen it. Oh, he has. He got to see it in um, uh, Portland for AWP when he got oh. there the first day. Uh, he was hoping to walk around the city. But it was raining, as uh-huh. it does, um, though yeah. it did not the whole time we were there for the most part. Lucky and um, Yes, and so he got to see it in theaters, which he was, he was very happy about. Um, as we've discussed, it's hard for us to see movies, so I was very glad that he got to go out and see it. Cool. Um, will you watch it, or are you, like I used to be, too scared? I'll watch it, and I'll especially watch it because um, I trust Jordan Peele and I will be with Kenny in my home. Uh-huh. And honestly, yeah. as much as I don't like scary things, um, I have not... And, and and Kenny, I think I might try to get Kenny on here as a guest bud about mm. horror. Um, yeah. Because he, is, he always says that horror isn't something like jump scares, and horror also isn't gore. Yeah. So he doesn't think Saw, for example, is horror. Uh-huh. And Saw is a scary movie, certainly. Yeah. Um, but... It's an unpleasant movie. Yes. Nothing will be as scary. I don't think anything will ever be as scary to me as um, Silent Hill is. Interesting. And I have played through many Silent Hills with Kenny. And so, uh-huh. fine. Yeah, <laughs> I will so watch us with him. You've already been to the most frightening place. And I and... thought I was done at Silent Hill being scared. And then we played Silent Hill form for The Room. And we got 20 minutes in, and I just remember yelling, ghosts! You didn't tell me there were fucking ghosts! Ah! <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't hate played ghosts any in of video those games. games. I'm not scared of ghosts in real life, because I don't think that they're real. But yes. in video games? Sure. Video I games think, are real. <laughs> I think Paul F. Tompkins has said that, you know, he's, like, uh, not religious anymore, but... Yeah cannot handle like religious horror where like there's like a demon mm. or like a satan interesting 
Yeah, that's an interesting line. Horror has so many like subgenres. It's mm. it's interesting to talk about because there are so many different versions of it that are so specific in their tropes. Yeah. Uh, Us is a cool movie that I really liked, and uh, so far it is my number one movie of the year. Nice. But uh, I haven't seen a lot of movies at this point, Mm -hmm. and there's still a little more than half of a year to go. So uh, I gave Us four out of five stars on Letterboxd. Yeah, what what movie has gotten five? uh what movie has gotten five several movies in 2017 got five and maybe 2017 was just a really good year or maybe uh i just have like my the way that i rate things has evolved Mm -hmm. but um baby driver got five stars okay get out got five stars oh so you don't think it's as good as get out that's true uh Lady Bird got five stars. Yes, which I still haven't seen. Faces Places, which is a documentary I've recommended to you. Yes. Gets five stars. And uh, more recently, uh, Isle of Dogs, uh, five stars. Right. Okay. Also, also, I think from 2016, if I remember correctly, Hunt for the Wilder People, five stars. And Swiss Army Man, five stars. Oh, yes. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, step up your game 2019. And, uh, Let's get some more will, movies. Yeah. Check in uh, with the urine film later after I've seen uh, such films as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh-huh. and Ad Astra uh-huh. and Lucy in the Sky uh-huh. and Little Women. <laughs> And Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, God, I forgot that's coming out this year. <laughs> I'm so excited again. Yeah. All right. Let's call it there. Okay. I love you, Will. Talk to you love next you week. Love you too, Liz. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.